What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Renition, joined as always by my colleague over at Blue Chip Scouting and at Downtown Sports Network, Devin Jackson. And today we're joined by a very special guest. Um, he's kind of like Cher in the draft community, only goes by one name. You probably know him from Stick to Football. It's Mello. Mello, how you doing today, man? Wonderful. Thank you guys for having me on. Thanks for being on, man. Uh, yeah. Great, uh, great day to do this because uh, I don't know about you guys. It is ridiculously fucking hot where I am. It's like ninety-five degrees with the humidity. Uh, so yeah, good to be inside and air conditioned right now and have the day off from work. Um, today we kind of wanted to go a little bit into like uh, some of the the conferences, you know, uh, for college football this upcoming year. Mello, you're a diehard Texas Longhorns fan, so it only makes sense that we bring you on to talk about the Big Ten. No, I'm just kidding. We're talking about the Big 12, which has 10 teams. Don't ask. I still don't understand why they can't just add two teams and make it, like, proper. Granted, the Big Ten has 14, so, you know, leave it to the NCAA. That's one thing that I do hate about the Big 12. Like, just find two other teams. (laughs) Pull in Cincinnati. (laughs) Anybody. Try to get Notre Dame over there. I hate that they have 10 teams. I get it. I mean, the Pac-12 changed from the Pac-10, but the Big Ten, I, don't, I guess the tradition's just too good there, but the Big 12 having 10 teams is stupid. I, that was the main focus when I did my, like, reimagining the conferences was I need to get 12 teams in the Big 12. I kept the Big Ten at 14, but still. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there are some they could go after. Oh, yeah. Even if, like, he's the perfect pick. I don't know if that's where you guys intended to go with this, but like Cincinnati fits. Like give West Virginia like a natural rival that's fairly close to them. And then maybe try to steal away like a Vanderbilt from the SEC or you know, Purdue out of the Big Ten. I think, I think if you just gave them Missouri, Missouri and Arkansas, Arkansas. it makes sense. Yeah. Like Missouri doesn't fit in the SEC. Now that it's now Texas A&M, but... but... <laughs> Missouri's so far north, though. Like they're, they're damn near Big Ten country. Yeah. yeah. But... They're in the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, but yeah, so we kind of wanted to kind of go over like the, the top schools, kind of, because we know you're really deep into scouting. Devin's kind of, you know, in around that like 30 to 40 player range. I'm in that like 60 to 75. And last I heard, you you guys over at Stick to Football were like each closing in on like 100 or so. Or at least you and, uh, and uh, Matt. Yeah, yeah. It's a little different because it's more of like a watch list. Yeah. You know, I mean, like Connor is too. I've narrowed it down to like the top 50, but I, in the next three months, even that top 50 is going to look ridiculously different. And then I have like a watch list of like 250 players. God. I mean, some of them won't be players. So some yeah. of them will go back to school, and some of them just will turn out to not be very good this year. But yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. I like to get them all on there just so I know kind of who to keep an eye on, and then as you get a better idea as the season goes on and you watch more tape, you try to cut it down as much as you can. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. sure. I mean, I mean so, so we'll kind of go across, go across like, the, like, the, like the bigger, bigger schools. schools. There, there are, are some schools, some schools that are obviously going to have more, more uh, you, know, you know, sorry Kansas, Kansas and Kansas State. State. Uh, uh, not, not exactly football factors, factors although Kansas State, State does have a player that I, that I really like. I'm just wondering whether or not he declares. But we'll start with, like, the bigger schools. So, obviously, you being a Texas fan, uh, great place to start. So what's what's Texas got that's really caught your eye this year? Yeah, I actually think this is going to be the best year Texas has had in a while. And I'm not just a homer Texas fan. It's like, oh, the Longhorns 
are great because they've been crap the last couple of years, but they've got like a lot of juniors and seniors coming back now. You look at Sam Cosme at left tackle. I think that he's going to be one of the top tackles in the, in the draft class. Sam Ellinger coming back to be a senior. There's some good receiver talent. They've got you know two or three really good running backs that I think can be productive this year. And some good talent on defense, but they, they really need some guys to step up in that secondary and, and be the players that we thought they were. Even when you look at a guy like Kevin Stearns, after his freshman year, I thought he was going to be the dude. I think he's going to be a top safety in the 2021 draft class. And then last year, he, he sucked. Like The guy couldn't get on the field, couldn't stay on the field when he was on the field. Uh, there was a lot of laps in coverage, and he, just, he didn't look very good. I'm worried with Caden Stearns that we're going to have, like, a Grant Delpit-type revelation with him where, like, he was so good as a freshman, took a bit of a step back as a sophomore, and I'm really worried that his junior tape is just going to be straight-up bad. Yeah, tell me about it, man. I have to root for these guys. I like, as a freshman, I really, even all three of us, Matt, Connor, anybody that watched Caden Stearns as a freshman, like, this dude gets it. And I just, I don't know. He's coming off a little soft for me. So we'll see what happens with him. I, you could be right. It could be that Grant Delphin, Derwin James type player. But hopefully we see it at Texas and it doesn't look close a pro. For sure. Um, I know this is going to pain you a little bit, but there is another school in the Big 12 that puts out a lot of, a lot of uh, good players. Uh, we can get through this as quick and painless as you want. Do you want to talk Oklahoma? Man, I know that you have to. <laughs> <laughs> I love Texas. Like Oklahoma has dominated that conference for a while. Texas had a little bit of time in the early 2000s, but Oklahoma's been going. And even after they replaced Stoops, it's like, oh, okay, new coach, Lincoln Riley. Hopefully this guy's not anything good. He might actually be better than what Stoops was. So uh, it's tough. Like, you know, they are going to have a lot of really good players. Hopefully their quarterback is finally not good, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, what are what are you uh, expecting for? Rattler this year, uh, assuming he's going to be the one that starts. I, I think he's going to be pretty good. I, I don't want to just assume that he's the starter. I actually think he's going to have to compete for that job against uh, Tanner Mordecai. He's a guy that they just seem to like. Even Amazing name, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right? They split time, though. Like, it wasn't just Spencer Rattler here. You're the back quarterback. It would be late in games, and it would be a blowout. They'd be like, oh, Mordecai's coming out to the field? I'm like, okay. So I think a lot of people like Spencer Rattler because he was the top recruit guy, you know, and it's like, oh, Link, Link finally got his guy. Right? He's going to play him, and, and we'll see what happens there. But I do think there's a little bit of a quarterback uh, competition there in Norman, but we'll see. I think both of them are going to be really good. Like, no matter which one plays, I think Lincoln Riley has that offense picking where I could probably step in and play quarterback and go 3,000 yards. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. just talking about um, with with Texas and Oklahoma, it's kind of obvious that those are really the top two schools, and it's a lot closer in terms of talent, especially from a draft perspective this year, than it has been in a couple of years. Because as you mentioned, there's you know Sam Cosme, maybe Ellinger takes a step forward, Caden Stearns, for, you know, for Texas, uh, they've got that edge rusher. Uh, is it uh, Osei? That would be him. I haven't gotten to study him all that much, but I know there are some folks that are high on him. And then looking at, like, um, Oklahoma, there's uh, Creed Humphrey, who, like, I feel he's going to get, like, the Tyler Biotish treatment where, like, again, really good as a freshman, and he's almost kind of been around so long that he's going to be nitpicked this year. 
Um, and then at linebacker, they've got, uh, I think his name's Deshaun White, who's pretty solid, kind of, you know, played uh, the Robin to, um, you know, to, to Batman last year with, uh, with Kenneth Murray. And then, really, there's not a whole lot else with Oklahoma in terms of, like, draft-eligible talent. There's also, like, Charleston Rambo, but I, he's not really getting a ton of hype. Um, yeah. It's just going to be very, very close, close I think. I do, too. I, I think there's a lot of good talent on both sides of the ball, even looking at Oklahoma. The offensive line is going to be really good. Again, like, it seems like they're always good, but they're going to be really good again. And, they, you know, they got that grad transfer receiver from UCLA. I think his name's Theo Howard. Oh, yeah. He could be really good in the Oklahoma offense. And, and then a guy that I really like is uh, the young receiver they have, Hazelwood. I think that he's gonna he's in for a breakout year. I think he's gonna be special in this offense. Kind of saw what he could do last year. It's like okay, just give this guy some time. And you know, freshman receiver, it's hard to have a breakout year. But I think coming into his sophomore year, getting some reps with Mordecai or Spencer Rattler, I think that he's he's in for a big year for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, like now that we've gotten kind of the the top two schools out of the way, I think the next year definitely kind of begins with Oklahoma State. And uh, and then there's like Iowa State and again both schools that have some some prospects. Uh, what are your thoughts on those two teams? You know I really liked Oklahoma State until about two weeks ago. Same, same. Yeah. And and it's funny that the two players that were the most outspoken about it were the two Canadian players with Hubbard and I'm I'm sorry I'm not going to attempt that last name uh, for for the linebacker. <laughs> I'll try to figure it out. Though. Uh, I don't know, some mix-ups and shake-ups. I wouldn't be surprised even if Wendy gets replaced before the season starts. And I think that that's, there's going to be a lot of animosity between the coaches and the players, and that's really tough to overcome. Like, I've played for some coaches that I really didn't like, and you're not, you just, at least for me, not able to give them your full effort. No, and, no. you know, I've played for some coaches that I really like and respect, and like, I'm going to give my all, or they're going to get my all out of me. Those are really good coaches, and I think that Gundy's lost a lot of that, and he's going to have to make up some ground with recruiting. Like I, I'm telling you, two weeks ago I would have been like, okay, yeah, I can see them in the Big 12 championship. Now I just I don't know if I'm going to put them there. I wouldn't bet on it. That's for damn sure. I I still have this inkling in the back of my mind that we're not going to see Chuba Hubbard suit up for, the, for Oklahoma State this year. Yeah, I, somebody tweeted it last week, and it's like I think the Chuba. To, to Texas, run all over the Big 12. <laughs> yes, this is the best idea that I have heard. He's been Chuba to Texas. But I, I was afraid to retweet it or anything like that because I didn't want Chuba to be like, you know what, I should transfer. And I'm going to go to Norman because I have to. Yeah, yeah, see, I... I... I kind of have a feeling he like I, I saw it was floated out that he should go for the supplemental draft, and I don't think he would do that because there's so much uncertainty with that. He'd probably only net like a third or fourth rounder in the supplemental because it's obviously different, uh, like, uh, like process and everything. It, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. But I could see him transferring, and one of the schools that I think our, our guy Carter uh, Carter Donick over at uh, the Draft Network mentioned was Oregon, and combining him with C.J. Verdell would be terrifying. 
Yeah, that was the only issue I had with that too. Is that there's, I mean, it's Oregon and they like to shuffle out, but it would save them some tread on those tires after a year and a half of yeah. But I, I think that the transfer is maybe something that's not out of the question. Uh, even, I don't know how well-known it is, but even a guy like Justin Fields, like, he said that, I, I believe it was a baseball player at Georgia, used racist remarks toward him. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't I know that. Okay, like, you can transfer. Like, that's a good enough reason. So I do think that anybody at Oklahoma State could use this as a, like, a, you know, immediate transfer. You don't have to sit out. I don't think the NCAA wants to ruffle any feathers right now. So I think they're going to... If a player were to leave, I do think they would get immediate eligibility. And I think they should. I do. Mm-hmm. You, you don't like what Mike Gundy did, and I don't. I don't support it. So I think that he should be able to transfer if he sees fit. And the fact that so many former Oklahoma State players spoke up, including, I mean, Devin and I have both spoken to, to A.J. Green, the, the corner that was there. Nicest dude. First one, one of the first people to say, like, yep, this is this is the norm. It's like, oh, boy. There's going to be uh Yep. There, there's just there's so many things that are going to come out of Oklahoma State soon, and I think it's it's going to create um, I don't want to say a distraction because it's not the right word, but yeah, it's going to be very hard for uh, the players as long as Gundy's there to really throw their whole support behind him. You watch the most uncomfortable video ever is that is that apology video because it's the one apologizing is Chuba. It was it, he he looked like he didn't want to be there, and he nor should he. I I. That's why I'm leading Iowa State, and they have some dudes. They have some some good players. Uh, I just don't know with Brock Purdy. Uh, I don't know if I've just watched the wrong games, but I just I don't see the potential first rounder that I've heard surrounding. Have you? I have him as QB four, or no, I have him as QB five. But he's just he's kind of a he's he looks smaller than he's listed, and he's listed at being small. He he looks Kyler Murray small. I, I don't see it either, and I've even wondered, like, have I just not watched the right game? I mean, I've watched a lot of Iowa State football last year, and I've watched a lot of Brock Purdy. I think he's going to be a good college quarterback, but, like, how is he any better than Sam Ellinger? Yeah. Which I think Sam Ellinger is probably a third-round quarterback at best also. And these guys just don't scream NFL talent, and Brock Purdy does look a lot smaller than what he's listed. I think that, you know, maybe he's six foot change, which hasn't hurt many players recently, but he still looks undersized. He doesn't have a strong arm. He's running for his life a lot. I, I don't see it as like a first or second round quarterback for him. I think he's going to be good. I think Iowa State's got some talent, um, but I, I don't see him as an NFL talent. Yeah, yeah I, I would agree with that as well. Um, just watching him, I mean, nothing really overwhelms him. You know about him, like compared to like other quarterbacks. Obviously, you can't compare him to like Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence or anything like that. But I mean, even if you look at some of the past quarterbacks, there's just like nothing that really sticks out with him. Like he's a really good quarterback, a really solid quarterback, and he does a lot of things well. But there's not really an overwhelming thing that, about him. And like you said, he's he's running from his li- running for his life a lot of the time that he drops back and. Uh, there's a lot of passes that I've seen of him that, you know, it, he just doesn't have the strength to do some, make some of the throws that some of the other quarterbacks can make. Um, I was watching, I want to say, against TCU, uh, there was just a couple throws he just didn't have it. Like, he had receivers open, but he would overthrow or underthrow, so it was, he was very inconsistent. Yeah, you know, I think it was maybe even the Iowa game. I don't know. It was, it was a game late in the season where it was kind of cold. And it was wet. It was like, this dude can't take care of the football. 
Oklahoma was another one where he had just rough time holding on to the ball or making the right decision. Yeah, like you can tell that it's like slipping out of his hands as he's about to throw, and like that's why people measure hand size. And I know that at the combine, people are like, oh, it doesn't even matter. Like for some guys, it does. Like yeah, Russell yeah. Wilson's a small quarterback; it's huge hands, so he can hold on to the ball. And when it gets cold outside, you don't have to worry about him fumbling or not being able to grip the football. And, you know, smaller guys like maybe even a Brock Purdy. They're not going to have that same, you know, deal with uh, Russell Wilson where they can hold on to the ball if his hands are small. So it'll be interesting to see, I mean, even if he decides to come out this year, what his hand size is. But, I, I mean, hand size, arm strength, I just don't know why, what people are seeing. And maybe I need to start asking people when I see a tweet, like, what is it about Brock Purdy? And I don't want to crap on the kid. I, I hope everyone the best. I, I mean, he's a first-round pick, great. I just don't see it. For sure. For sure. I think the next two teams we're going to talk about, Mello, these are probably the two sleeper teams to kind of challenge Texas and Oklahoma, uh, especially in terms of draft out. There's a lot hidden on these on these two schools, uh, TCU and West Virginia. Uh, TCU's defense is just loaded with some star players, including in that secondary, which just lost uh, Jeff Gladney. And then West Virginia has one of my favorite defensive linemen in this entire class with uh, with Dante. Sorry, with Darius Stills. Um, both both of the both Stills brothers are good. I, I still haven't quite figured them out yet, but I know one is a little bit smaller and maybe doesn't fit the profile of the NFL. And even you know, the bigger of the two, I still think he's like 6'3", 6'2", 290, so he even comes in a little bit on the small side. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, I know that Darius is the more undersized one. I think he's the better of the two, kind of that undersized-ish like speed rusher from the inside. Uh, I, I mention this all the time, that Baylor game. Because he, he got, like, a sack in the first quarter, was on the sideline talking to, like, local news, like, basically calling out their off- you know, Baylor's offensive line as being soft. And, like, West Virginia is, like, terrible at this point, and he's, like, a relatively unheralded player. And they proceeds to go out and get two and a half more sacks that game. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Dante is the bigger one, the the kind of lesser of the two. I still think he's probably like a third rounder if he were uh, when he comes out, or if he were to come out. Uh, and he's at six three two ninety five, and then Darius is six one and two eighty five. Yeah, so like a little bit small for an interior guy, but you know, if you're a three four team and you're looking for a defensive end, I think both of them have really great speed and agility off the line could fit that kind of three, four defensive end mold. Yeah. And then TCU, they've got a really good linebacker, uh, Garrett Wallow. And then they've, they've got these two safeties, which when I sat down to watch, uh, it, it's really interesting, you know, when you have like a team with like two dominant safeties, like they have in such a pass happy conference, like the big 12, cause you're not getting anything at corner in the big 12 anymore, but at safeties where it kind of seems to be that sweet spot for the conference. Yeah. I, Trevin Morig, I'm not Morig, sure. Morig, yeah, I think it's Morig, and then uh, our our Darius Washington. Yeah, and he's he's young. I don't know if he's draft eligible yet. Uh, red shirts, red shirts, sophomore this year. I was gonna say like it's so hard to tell with some of these schools because like are they a sophomore or are they a red shirt sophomore? Because in my world with the NFL draft, that's a huge difference. Very much college football. It's like ah, oh, okay, he's still got three years left, but like. When is this new game come out? I need to know. In some schools, it's really hard to find that information. 
Stanford, Notre Dame. <laughs> I hate Stanford and Michigan are the worst. Because you will watch a guy and you're like, oh, he's a senior. He's definitely coming out. Like, I'm going to put a mark in my spreadsheet because he might be a senior bowl guy. And then you get, you know, into the spring and you're like, wait, Carlo Kemp is going back to Michigan? I thought he was a senior. Like, this literally happened to me like last month. You know, seeing his name and be like, wait, he didn't get drafted? Oh, shit. He's that, that, yeah. yeah. That happened with, uh, Who'd that happen with? It was guard from Notre Dame last year. I swore he was a senior the entire year. Um, I can't think of his name now. That would be him. I sw- I didn't find out he w- he actually went back to to Notre Dame until March. I had no idea because I was shocked he wasn't at the combine. No, we so we interviewed the head coach there. Uh, God, his name slipped my But you know the Notre Dame head coach interviewed him and he was like, "Yeah, all five linemen are coming back." And even, like, in the interview, I was like, wait, Kramer's a senior. Like, wasn't Eichenberg a senior, too? And I didn't question him on it, but, like, immediately after that interview, I was like, I got to look. And sure enough, you know, there were two guys. Like, oh, yeah, they were technically seniors. They participated in senior day, but they're coming back. Which is good for the player, but universities, like, come on. Help yeah, us yeah. out. Over Help us out. Help us out. <laughs> Uh, it, it's so frustrating with that. Um, yeah, the, the the problem with the Big 12 is once you get past, like, those schools, I'm sorry, Texas Tech, Kansas State, Baylor, and Kansas have virtually nothing in terms of draft prospects this year. Like, Puka Williams, he's good, but he's got off-field. Texas Tech has nothing. Baylor, Devin, you can, you, I mean, you just finished watching Charlie Brewer, and uh, what was it that you said about him? I, I don't, I'm not impressed with him. Uh <laughs> I mean, I he makes some really good throws, uh, but it just feels like a lot of them, a lot of them were helped by Denzel Mims. I mean, he made he has a ridiculous catch radius, um, and I, I don't know. I, I just I just, I get Chase Daniel vibes from Charlie Brewer. Uh, like he 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 can make a lot of he can make a lot of he can be a solid backup quarterback in NFL. I think, but I I just don't see anything more than that from him. Charlie Brewer. I literally thought Charlie Brewer might have died. And, like, to see him come back, like, honestly, I didn't even know if he was going to return for this upcoming season. And I've been even, like, looking for local news from Waco and seeing if the university is putting anything out because I really expected him to be like, I'm retiring. I, I can't play football anymore. So if he comes back, you know, kudos to him. He can take a hit and keep on going. But, man, he, he did not look good in that bowl game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm just seeing this now because it just popped up on my Twitter feed. Kylan Hill is already threat. Uh, sorry, is threatening to transfer from Mississippi State. Go to Texas. <laughs> I actually feel like all these running backs, like, it sounds great for them to go to Texas. I actually think the running back position is the best that it's been in years. In Texas. But good for these, you know, college players. I'm sure you guys are excited to see it too. Like for so long, they've been getting screwed and they had no voice on like what actually happened with the for sure. And now they're like, you know what? I just won't play. Like, I'm going to get drafted regardless if I'm Kylan Hill or Chuba Hubbard. I'm going to stand up and make a point. And the fact that they have to do it over something as stupid as a Confederate flag being in the state flag, which should have been taken care of a long time ago, but good for these college players to stand up for what they want. They want to see change, and they're, they're finally getting it. So hopefully they can start doing that more often 
and get a little more change. Yeah, yeah hopefully the NCAA finally gets their shit together and puts the athletes first. Yeah, that's where <laughs> that's what we were talking about last <laughs> week. Actually, uh, you know, players taking charge and, and you know making decisions for their future and, and standing up on their morals and their values. Uh, and like you were saying, Melo, you know, for so long they've been silence uh because the ncaa is what it is you know they're pretty much a dictatorship in terms of uh, you know what they allow and what they'll allow to happen so now kind of with the movement going on and and players not being scared to voice their opinions i mean we saw what happened with the iowa strength coach um mike gundy uh some of these other coaches dabble sweeney even like he's had to kind of backtrack and, and try to clean up kind of the mess he's made um, you know, the players are really taking a stand and, and making their voices being heard and uh, as they should because, you know, they're the ones making the money for these universities and uh, bringing in all these people, you know, and alumni and whatnot. So for them to, you know, speak on the issues that are going on and, uh, you know, putting their, themselves first and their morals first uh, is definitely a good sight to see. For sure. Uh, one last question, Mello, and then we're going to get you out of here because, uh, you know, we want to make sure you're able to spend time with your family on, you know, on vacation. Uh, are there any, like, kind of under-the-radar Big 12 players that we didn't touch on earlier that have, like, really caught your eye that the, the folks should be watching? Uh, as far as, like, Big 12 players so far, no. Like, you know, you hit the big guys. Tuba Hubbard, Creed Humphrey, uh, Tylen Wallace, seeing how he comes back from the ACL tear. That's going to be pretty Cosme. Uh, I think most of the guys that I have in the Big 12 so far are pretty known guys. I think Joseph Asai, the linebacker from Texas, he's a name to watch because he's a junior and he's he's switching to that edge rusher position. So he's like 6'4", 245, and last year they had him playing like off-ball linebacker, which was a really stupid choice. But now they're going to let him go after the quarterback a little bit more, and I think that's a position that really fits him. So that's a name that I would definitely – you know, keep an eye on. The Iowa State, we talked about them. Their tight end is really good, too. Charlie Fuller uh, was one of the finalists for you know, tight end of the year. I think that he can be really good, especially with them losing so many receivers at Iowa State. Like, he's he's probably going to be the number one target. And he's probably going to catch, like, 60, 70 balls this year. He's going to be really important for Iowa State. He's going to be really important uh, for Matt Campbell, uh, whether he finally decides uh, to leave Iowa State after this year. All right, Mello. Well, again, thanks for coming on. Um, you know, if you want to follow uh, Mello on Twitter, it's just at Mello, nice and simple. Uh, follow Mello's work at mikedup.com. Uh, by the way, haven't you gotten to say this? Congrats on moving full-time into covering sports. Uh, retired teacher and all now. Yeah, it, it sounds weird to say. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like, <laughs> I quit teaching. <laughs> I don't know, but either way, I am excited talking about sports all day I'll, I'll miss the classroom but this is a nice little change yep yeah. uh for those in missouri uh or outside of missouri you can find uh mic'd up on pretty much any radio app now right yeah and that's kind of the thing too like radio's really expanding it's not just a local thing anymore so you can find us like you know, on tune in simple radio app there's a lot of different ones so you can find us there it's mic'd up 1013 all right. And again, you guys know, know where you can find me and Devin. Find the, uh, the show on Twitter at Big Shots Pod. Find me, Mike H underscore draft. Devin at Real D underscore Jackson. Follow Blue Chip Scouting at Blue Chips. Uh, sorry, at, uh, yeah, Blue Chip Scouting on Twitter. And uh, until next week, guys, take it easy.